Pastor Xavier Reese and the Simple Truths of Scripture, able to make you wise. A believer is to run all things by the Word of God. In every decision that I make in life, what I say, what I do, who I marry, who I get involved with or what I get involved to, what is truth, what is error, it's the Word of God. This is the standard, ladies and gentlemen, not your pastor, not your denomination, not the church you go to, but the Word of God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. You've heard it said, be careful what you ask for, you just might get it. And when it came to choosing Israel's first king, rather than yielding to the wisest choice by God, the Israelites insisted on choosing the man for themselves. And as Pastor Xavier continues our study series through the book of 1 Samuel in chapter 10 today, we'll see how God allowed the Israelites to settle for what was clearly second best in an example of His permissive will. Let's listen. God, having uh, been rejected by the people to rule over them and having requested a king that he might judge them and fight their battle like all the other kings of the nations in chapter 8, they would not be dissuaded, even though God told them exactly the type of man that would take hold of them and it would cost them their families and their finances and all. So God permitted it. And so God used the occasion when Saul's father had sent his son on an errand with his servant to find some lost donkeys, unclean beasts. Uh, I think God has a sense of humor. And he brought that occasion to direct Saul to come and meet with Samuel in chapter 9, the meeting that God put together so that Saul would come to understand that God had permitted that he would be the one. God had already told Samuel, as we read in chapter 9, verse 15 through 16, about Saul's coming, and he pointed it out to him when he arrived. And then Samuel told Saul all that he was all a desire of Israel, and he held a sacrifice in his honor there in chapter 9, verse 20 and 24. Now, Samuel, having revealed to Saul the people's demand for a king, he now reveals to us the procedure of the enthroning of Saul as king of Israel, and he does this with three movements here in chapter 10. Let me read for us. Then Samuel took a flax of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today, you will find two men in Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin of Zilpha, Rilza, and uh, they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found, and now your father sees us caring about the donkeys and is worried about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on forward, and there, and there will come to the terebinth at Tabor, and there three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying three young goats, and another carrying um, three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two um, loaves of bread, which uh, you shall receive from their hands. After that, you shall come to the hill of God, where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city, 
that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with string instruments, tab- tambourine, flute, harp before them, and they will be prophesying. And then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offering and make sacrifice of peace offering. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. And so it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart, and all signs came to pass that day. And when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets meeting him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, What is that that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And then a man from there answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had finished prophesying, he went into the high place. Then Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, Where did you go? And he said, um, To look for the donkeys. When we saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle says, Tell me, please, what Samuel said to you. And so Saul said to his uncle, uh, He told us plainly the donkeys had been found, but about the matters of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel had said. And then Samuel called the people together, the Lord at Mizpah, and said to the children of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of the kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. But you have today rejected your God, who himself saved you from all the uh, adversities of your tribulations and has said to him, No, set a king over us. Now therefore present yourself before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribes of Benjamin was chosen. And we had caused the tribes of Benjamin to come near, their families, the family of Matri, uh, was chosen. And Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore, they inquired of the Lord further, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, There he is, hidden among the equipment. And so they ran, and they brought him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from the shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? that there is none like him among all the people. So all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. And then Samuel explained to the people the behavior and loyalty and uh, wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent the people away, everyone to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him whose heart God had touched. But some rebels said, How can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no present, but he held his peace. The procedure in the enthroning of Saul, the king of Israel, is presented to us in three movements. Verse 1 through 8, we have the private unction of Saul. Verses 9 through 16, the prophetic confirmation to Saul. And then 17 through 27, the public inauguration of Saul. The private anointing of Saul, verse 1 through 8. Notice in verse 1, the consecration of Saul by Samuel is recorded for us. Samuel the prophet took this flax of oil and poured it 
on his head. This was a typical method and custom in the Hebrew nation. They anointed prophets, kings, and priests. Those were the three primary ones that were anointed. There was other specific people, a holy abbey, so like that for the tabernacle, but they were special cases. Now, the anointing of some uh, of something with oil meant to be set apart, consecrated for the work of God, for God himself. Now, there was a specific formula of the oil that was given also, as remember in Exodus chapter 30 when we studied it, verse 25 through 28 or so. And that was only to be used for that. No one else, no one could duplicate it. Otherwise, God will wipe them out. Now, the high priest Aaron was consecrated with oil, and it was poured on his head. We read this in Exodus 28, 41, Leviticus 8, 12. In fact, Psalms 13, or 133, 2, says this. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edges of his garment. Now, you know that the garment was beautiful, a gold miter, all these jewels, all this gold, all this stuff. And then they take, not, you know, you ask me to anoint you. I anoint you with a little dab of oil on the forehead, okay? But they could take a bucket and run and it's running all down. God's not interested that you get caught up in the beauty of the outwardness. He wants you to get caught up in his anointing. You understand? We get so admired by, oh, look at that. We get so caught up by all the exterior. Amazing. Prophets were anointed. First Kings 19.16 tells us. Now, the first king to be anointed here is Saul. And those after him. Saul was anointed after God had revealed to Samuel that he was the one that was to be king. We saw this very clear in chapter 9. The meeting has taken place. David would come next in 1 Samuel 16, 13. He would be the second one. He says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Psalm 89, 20 says, I have found my servant David with my holy oil. I have anointed him. Solomon would be the third king. 1 Kings 139. Then Zadok the priest took a horn of oil from the tabernacle, anointed Solomon, and they blew the horn, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. If you remember, Elisha had anointed Jehu privately in 2 Kings 9, 1 through 13. Then he wrote, prophet ran off. The word um, anointed here is the word that is used for God's Messiah. You see, they were all, the kings were types of the true king to come, the anointed of God, Jesus Christ. In fact, the promise is given to David, upon your throne shall sit of your seed, and the Messiah would come from it. Now, notice Samuel then kissed Saul in verse 1. This was a sign of affection and respect and affirmation as king. You remember that in Genesis 27, 26, then his father Isaac said to him, come now near me and kiss me, my son. When you kiss somebody, it means you, you, your affection for them, your, your endearment toward them. There, there's a bond there. Um, this was the sign of loyalty and devotion to him as king. A kiss is a sign of devotion, of loyalty. Now notice Samuel then said, Is it not because the Lord Yahweh has anointed you commander over his inheritance? Saul was to be the anointed of God, devoted to do the will and the purposes of God. Not simply have power. Saul was to be Yahweh's commander. The word there, commander, means leader, ruler, captain, 
or prince. And it has a connotation with the military because he's going to be called to defend against the Philistines. And so notice Saul was to be the leader over Yahweh's inheritance. His people. This is something that a man who's called by God or any person or any one of us have to remember. That the people belong to God. Notice the signs given to Saul by Samuel are given in 2 through 5. In verse 2, Saul would be given a word of knowledge by two men about the lost donkeys. The time would be when Saul departed from Samuel that day, it says. And the location would be at Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Silsa, down there by Bethlehem. Now, the word of knowledge would be twofold. Don't miss it. They would say to Saul, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. That would relieve him from the preoccupation of them. They're taken care of. And then they would say that his father has ceased caring for the donkey, but now he's worried about them. What shall I do about my son? So he needs to be relieved about that, but he needs to hurry home to make sure that's okay. Two things that only God can know about. And God sometimes will deal with you that he'll tell you things that only God knows about. So that you know it's God who's speaking. Do you understand? He knows where you live. He knows where you're at. He knows what's going on. Notice Saul would be given the gift of bread by these three men en route to worship God in verse 3 and 4. This is the next direction. Then you shall go on forward from there and come to the terebinth tree of Tabor. And the individuals were worshipers of God. Notice, their three men are going up to Bethel, house of God, will meet with you and carry three goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. Now, all these are specific details that they can't happen by coincidence. And this is prophecy. God gives you things with so many number of things that the chance of them happening would be so ridiculous that only God could make them. You understand? When you get pronosticated like Gene Dixon and all these quacks, you know, reading cards and everything else, they all speak in generalities. You understand? Only God knows the future. Now notice the individuals would provide food and they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread which you shall receive from their hands. Look at verse 5. Then Saul would meet the group of prophets. That's the next sign. Returning from worship. Some are going, the others are coming back. The location again is given after that you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. Very detailed. The occasion would be the return of the prophets from worship, singing, and prophesying. They're going to be doing certain things. What happened when you come there to the city that you will meet the group of prophets coming down from the high place with string instruments, tambourines, flutes, harps before them, and they will be prophesying. This is the first mention of the group of prophets in the Old Testament. First time. Without doubt, they were part of the school of the prophets that Samuel began. First Samuel 19.20, he's associated as the leader of the prophets, of the school of prophets, okay? Remember, revival's begun earlier. They came back to God. God's preparing the nation for this transition. Now notice verse 6 through 8. The anointing of Saul by God. In 6, Saul would be spirit-filled here. Don't miss it. This is key. The cause, then the spirit of the Lord Yahweh will come upon you. The effect, and you will prophesy with them and be turned to another man. Ladies and gentlemen, those that teach that Saul was not transformed, what we know as born again, I reject their opinion. You cannot mistake in this. The Spirit of God filled him, and he turned him to another man. Those are terms 
synonymous with one who comes to know God. You understand? Because some commentators and some very popular teachers teach that Saul was never born again. I reject it completely. These are terms of one who comes to know God. Now notice verse 7. Saul was to understand the fulfillment of these three signs as confirmation of his anointing to be king and be obedient to God. Very important. These signs are for Saul to have confidence in God and to know his responsibility and accountability. This is for him. The timeline was given. And let it be when these signs come to you. Very personal. The three. The responsibility to trust and depend on God for the decision is stated. Notice, that you do as the occasion demands. So in other words, God calls him, he enables him. He has no excuse, right? And the confidence in God for enabling is also stated. For God is with you. If God calls you, he enables you, ladies and gentlemen. We can't excuse ourselves. Now, notice Saul was to be submissive to Samuel. Verse 8, this is key. Because there's a king doesn't mean that Samuel is left out, nor that the king substitutes God. The instructions to Saul were clear. You shall go down before me to Gilgal. Samuel was still the judge, priest, and prophet of God. He's the mediator, not the king. The promise to Saul was unmistakable. And surely I will come down to you and offer burnt offerings and make sacrifice of peace offerings. Again, the mediator and the time for Saul to wait for his own protection was seven days. And then he would come down and show him what to do. Now, as we know, we're jumping ahead. Saul fails in this because he got ahead of himself and he got to the place where he thought that he was more than he really was called to be. You understand? Real easy to do. And the kingdom was rent from him. He was equipped. He did not yield to the enabling. You understand? It's a choice. God is not looking for capable men or women. He's looking for men and women that rest in the capacity of their anointing by God. Do all you can. Prepare. Do everything that God has allowed you to do and all that. But you must rest in God. And you trust in His anointing. The day when you trust in anything apart from the anointing, you're a dead man. I would much rather sit under a person who's anointed without any, without any education, called and anointed by God. I can learn more from that man than one who has a PhD who's not called and anointed. Hands down. Zechariah 4, 6 says, this is the word of the Lord, the Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven. God in the New Testament, as you know, anoints all believers with the Holy Spirit, different from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, kings, priests, and prophets were given the Holy Spirit for a set time for a specific task. And then sometimes, like Holy Ab and Abihu for the tabernacle. But not everybody had the Holy Spirit. Now, in the New Testament, everyone who's born again has the Holy Spirit. When you accept Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. Your body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible also teaches through the words of Jesus that there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for empowerment, for service. Acts 1.8. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you should be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, the ends of the earth. Okay? Now, 
The gifts of the Holy Spirit are affiliated and associated with the baptism through the book of Acts, but no one gift is the true evidence of the baptism, like Assembly of God's Foursquare and Extreme Pentecostals teach. And it certainly is not tongues, for not all speak in tongues. So we do see gifts affiliated and associated with the baptism, but the baptism is for empowerment. You understand? Jesus taught a threefold relationship to the Holy Spirit in John 14 through 16. The Holy Spirit will be with you, in you, and then Acts 1, 8, upon you. The with you is the witness of the Spirit. When you hear the gospel, you accept Christ. The Spirit comes in you. And then the baptism for empowerment upon you. Real simple. Trace it through the book of Acts. That's why we are to be continually filled with the Spirit of God, Ephesians 5.18. Notice that's before you can be a true loving husband and submissive wife if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. If not, then you have your will. And then there's chaos in the home. The signs that God gives to each of us to confirm our calling as children of God is very clear. We're the first ones to know about it. We have been transformed. We're different people, new creatures, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm the first one to know that God's done something in my life. You understand? The very first one. We hunger and thirst after righteousness, his word. We don't feed on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, as Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, and the temptation in the wilderness against Satan. We are convicted, directed, given wisdom, strength, patience, and joy by the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, agape. And after that, joy, long-suffering, so on and so forth. The believer is to run all things by the word of God. In every decision that I make in life, what I say, what I do, who I marry, who I get involved with or what I get involved to, what is truth, what is error, it's the Word of God. This is the standard, ladies and gentlemen, not your pastor, not your denomination, not the church you go to, but the Word of God. Listen to Paul telling Timothy, 2 Timothy three fourteen through 15. He says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from a childhood you have known the Holy Scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. You understand? This is the standard. Do not lower the standard. Do not water it down. The private unction of Saul was directed by God. Now notice the prophetic confirmation to Saul comes next. 9 through 16. In verse 9, the departure of Saul from Samuel is given. The transformation of Saul took place instantly. Now notice what happens. The very second Saul had turned back. And when it makes a reference to his back there, it means shoulder, literally. The minute he turned away to go from Samuel, he knew God had told Samuel already. Samuel had told him that he was going to reign. Chapter 9, 17. Saul already knew that God had directed the meeting. And the minute he turns away, then everything was going to start making sense. God was going to start dealing with his heart. Notice the supernatural work of God began that God gave him, listen, don't miss it, here it is again, another heart. This is the third term. You cannot tell me Saul was not born again, okay, in the Old Testament sense. The word heart in the Hebrew identifies the inner man, the place of inclination, resolution, and determination of the will, evil by nature, Jeremiah 79. He gave him a new heart with the ability to resist the old heart. You understand the sin nature? 
The clear implication was that Yahweh gave to Saul another heart with the capacity to obey God. God's not going to call you without giving you capacity to do the work or to obey. Simple. Pastor Xavier Reese unfolding the story of how Israel acquired their first king, Saul, all the while settling for God's second best. It's another enlightening study from our series in the book of 1 Samuel, drawing out simple truths from chapter 10 today. Now there's much more to come next time as well, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can pick up your own personal copy of this message, and the title to ask for is simply, The First King of Israel, Saul. It's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Once again, the title to ask for is The First King of Israel, Saul, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800 926 1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com